But right now, I want to introduce my first guest, Stacey St. Clair. Again, as I said, this week marks the 14th anniversary uh, of the mass murder of five women at the Lane Bryant store at Brookside Marketplace. It was interesting. I was talking to um, uh, my producer and, uh, you know, the younger people just don't remember this. Five women were shot execution style. One woman survived. After all these years, with all the progress we have in the description, we have his voice on uh, audio tape. Why hasn't this murder been caught? Stacey St. Clair is a Tribune reporter. And she has followed this case from day one. Stacy, thank you so much for joining us. Sure. Thanks for having me. I don't know why this case just really sticks in my craw, because it seems to me that it's solvable. I mean, it just seems to me that there is so much evidence and so much specific evidence that it would be solvable. And before we get to that, why don't you set the stage for what happened in Tinley Park on, um, in, you know, when, when the whole thing happened? Give me the time and, and set up the place for those of our listeners who maybe don't recall or maybe never knew about this news story. Sure. Um, it was a little bit after 10 a.m. on a, a Saturday morning. Um, you know, I just I remember the, the weather was terrible. It wasn't like a go out and go shopping day. You really had to specifically need something um, uh, to, to get out there. It was sleeting. And there were um, four women who, who had gone to, to Lane Bryant in the shopping center to, um, you know, one girl had just gotten a job. Uh, right out of college and she was searching, you know, looking for professional clothes and um, a, a, a man posing as a delivery uh, driver entered the, the store, talked to a t- couple customers, talked to two employees and then pulled a gun and said um, he was robbing the place. He got um, a couple hundred dollars from the, the register and then ushered all the women into a, a back storeroom where he um, taped them up with duct tape. Uh, that he had brought, according to the, to the police, and um, then he ended up shooting uh, them execution style. Um, five of the, the six people who he had lined up in the storage room uh, were killed, and the, the six survived by um, playing dead, essentially. And so that sixth uh, woman, her name has never been identified for her safety purposes. Is that right? Yeah, and, and you know, and at first, police didn't even want anyone to know that there was a survivor. They they t- said everybody in the store died, and it was only because uh, a hospital ER doctor, when talking about the case, sort of slipped up and said, you know, one of them had been treated and, and released, and and she's moved out of um, moved out of the state and um, has has never. Uh, I don't think she wants her name released, and I don't think police want it released either. I mean, I can understand that. Um, before we take a break, let's talk about Rhonda McFarlane, who is really a mm-hmm. hero in this piece, uh, if you ask me. Can you tell us uh, in the next like minute and a half what, who Rhonda McFarlane was and what she did that was heroic? Sure. Rhonda McFarlane was the, the store manager. She had been a, a church pastor and, and then took a job at, at Lane Bryant after leaving the church, and she called 911 to, to tell police, to alert the police that um, they were in danger and, and somebody was threatening to shoot them. 
And, you know, that call in and of itself was heroic, but, but more importantly, it got the, the killer's voice um, captured in, in the recording. And, and you can sort of hear him in the background. And no doubt if they ever catch somebody, that'll be a key part of the evidence. Absolutely. And Rhonda McFarlane actually was one of the women duct taped. So she got free from mm-hmm. her, her duct tape. And instead of running out the door, which probably would be something I would do, uh, she, she had the presence of mind to make this 911 call. <clears throat> and when we come back, we're going to play that. You can't really hear much in it, but, uh, if you call the Tinley Park, uh, police department, you can hear a version of it that's edited a little bit. So it's a little bit clearer, but not super clear. We're here talking mm-hmm. to Tribune reporter Stacey St. Clair. Please stay tuned. We talk about the Lane Bryant murders coming up. Welcome back. We're here with Tribune reporter Stacy Sinclair. Uh, Stacy has been with the Lane Bryant murder from day one and has lived through all the machinations of what has been going on in the case. And I first want to talk before we, we talk a little bit more about speculation and, and progress in the case. I want to play, uh, an excerpt from the 911, uh, call. You, it's going to be very difficult to hear this. You're going to hear Rhonda McFarlane, who was the manager, whisper Lane Bryant. You'll hear that at the beginning. And then what you're going to hear, besides muffled tones, you're going to hear actually the voice of the killer who they've never identified. Jack, why don't we play it? 911 emergency. Stacey uh, is a person who's followed this case uh, as a journalist. Mm-hmm. Have they ever made out any of the words that this guy said? Uh, one of the words they, they definitely have, have made out is, I'm losing it. And um, I always thought that was very telling about, I mean, he, he sounds frazzled, right? Like you right. Can hear, uh, perhaps, it, it doesn't seem like this is a person who had much of a plan going in. Um. If he was if he was going to rob the the Lane Bryant, which is you know sort of a strange place to rob in and of itself, um, why not just take the money and run? Why the duct tape? It it to me it's always sort of raised the idea of was this really a, a botched robbery or was it something else? And if you really think about it, and, and Stacey, you and I have spoken about this, you know, crimes, right. not to say that crimes always make sense because they don't and criminals not, aren't always brain surgeons. But if you're going to rob a retail store, you don't do it first thing in the morning. And I would imagine Lane Bryant's most of their sales would be credit card sales and there'd be Correct. very little money in the till and very little money anywhere. So to kill five people and to tape, tape them up and he came with the duct tape, apparently, it just seems like a mixed message here that, you know, did he did he freak out and kill people because he had to? Why wouldn't he have just robbed the store and run out with the money, right? I think those have always been the questions that investigators have have uh, tossed around in, in their own minds, right? Like, what was the motive for this? And, you know, is it something else than, than other than it you know seems on the surface and we're going to talk about that in a minute but before we do can you give us the description and, and this is why i've always been baffled that we haven't had more progress in this case um, because we have such a detailed description of the perpetrator yeah he's, he's um between the uh six foot or six foot two um he's, he's heavy set he had um uh, black hair pulled back, but one um, 
uh, braid hanging down. I think it was the left side with um, three, what they described as like light colored beads. It was a very distinctive look. They, um, they had a sketch out uh, immediately, even though they were denying the existence of a survivor. The, the survivor um, helped them almost immediately um, with that sketch. And then she's, she's gone back over the years to help with the, the creation of a 3D sketch and, and, um, and other sort of follow-up sketches. So um, if you go to the Tinley Park website, you can see a very, um, a very detailed sketch there. Yeah, and, you know, even to the color of the beads and um, mm-hmm. even the, the uh, description, I apparently was wearing black jeans and there was embroidery with a certain letter. I mean, it was pretty detailed. And that's why I think everybody for, for years said somebody knows who this guy is. Maybe some barbershop, maybe some, you know, family member. Um, but it just doesn't make any sense that we're nowhere at anywhere closer, or at least what we think is anywhere closer. But let, let's go back to this idea that perhaps it wasn't a robbery gone awry. Stacy, can you tell our listeners a little bit about the tangent uh, investigation that went on when they were deciding whether or not maybe it was a revenge murder uh, as to one of the victims? Right. One of the um, leads they, they chased was... They're, they they went through all the phone calls in, in this in the cell phone towers uh, around the Lane Bryant, and one of the the calls they picked up was a former member of the church where um, Rhonda McFarlane uh, had been an assistant pastor. She left over um, a dispute about finances that was that uh, dispute that sort of splintered the entire church actually, and um, there was somebody from her church who was uh, made a phone call that bounced off of uh, that tower near the Lane Bryant about an hour before the shooting. So they, some of the church members had all moved to Texas to start um, a, a new church. And uh, the task force sent about 11 detectives um, down to Texas, which should show you how seriously um, they, they took that lead that they would send so many people um, at one time. And, and in fact, when we found the Tribune, my colleagues uh, Dave Heinzman and, and Matt Wahlberg and I, when we found out um, they were going down to Texas, we were preparing a story, and um, the commander from the Illinois State Police, which was running the task force, called us and asked us not to run the story uh, for a few days because they really wanted the element um, of surprise with, with the people that they were going down there to talk to. And, and, and we did comply with that um, that request because we didn't want to interfere with uh, with the investigation. And the lead sort of didn't go anywhere. Is that right? It hasn't. Yeah, I mean, it had, they did not make any arrests um, from that. Though we know from from time to time they've they've gone back and visited um, the idea. It's uh, which, is, which is normal. You keep going back right. and and looking over things. Well, and as you know, as uh, an avid crime uh, television watcher, we know that sometimes after many, many years, nothing really changes except people's relationships. And maybe there's some person out there who knew this guy and maybe was dating him or maybe um, someone is on their deathbed and maybe the the reward money of $100,000 is looking awful good right now. And all of a sudden there is a conversation and this is how crimes get solved. Um, 
so it's how the brown chicken murder was well, solved, that's, right? and that, and I mean, it, it seems like you know if there's a parallel crime in chicago um that it would be that crime don't you think i mean it was the same type of thing right it was a robbery and a uh, number of people killed and in a cold case for a long time mm-hmm, right and then they, they had dna in in the brown chicken not not at the time right when, when as the science evolved they were able to get dna but that DNA was useless because they didn't know uh, who to test for it. And, um, you know, in the Brown's Chicken, a former girlfriend knew about it. And uh, about, what, that was 2002? Yeah, about a decade later, she came forward and said, hey, these, these two guys are, are the ones to blame. And, and that case was solved. So I, I think there, there is hope. Um, you know, I think you have to consider they've never talked about whether they have fingerprints or, or DNA. I, I find it hard to believe that they don't have one or the other. And if someone comes into the system that uh, would be a hit or would be a familial, you know, a relative who comes into the system, that would be a close match. They could solve this someday. I I, too, I, do, I believe that too, and and also uh, you know you, you just you don't know what where the police are on this because they they do keep quiet and although it's frustrating for us in the public mm-hmm. and I'm sure it's frustrating for you, Stacy, because you've covered this case and you yeah. talk to the victims and you talk to the family members of the victims and you know you you live with this tragedy, um, but it does seem like the police are kind of renewing their efforts. They probably have never stopped looking for this guy, um, and and just you know I mean I'm not asking you to. Make make a crystal ball projection, but you know, having lived with this case, what is your gut mm-hmm. feeling? What do you, what do you think is going to happen? And do you think it'll ever be solved? I, I think it will be solved. And I think it will be solved much in the same way uh, that the Brown's chicken was solved. Someone knows something and comes forward and then science um, confirms it. Now, I don't know you know, when that will be. I don't think you should make anything of um, sort of the publicity they they put out there this week um, in regards to putting two new members on, on the task force. That's, that's, a, that's like a very standard um, police tactic on anniversaries is to kind of announce nothing to get a little bit of uh, publicity and just renew interest in the case. And, and, it, and it worked, right? Every you know, all the papers did stories, the TV, we're here talking about it. So so that, that there is value um, in that and people talking about it. Yeah, and, I, I, I do. And you do see that that does. I mean, how many TV shows have resulted in, you know, people being found and in the, in the perpetrators sure. being found? It was interesting. Uh, one of the uh, police officers in a couple of years ago, I was doing a, sh- a story on this and Stacey, I interviewed for this. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I said, will you come on and just talk about this to kind of renew the interest? I mean, it seems like it's in your best interest to do this. And and actually, he asked me what my demographics were of my listeners. And I was like, why? He goes, well, we get so many tips that, you know, you, you know, if, you're, if your demographic is not in that area and the people that we think might know, then it really, it doesn't behoove us to do that because we have to chase down every single lead, which I kind of thought, I get it. But I also think, you know, again... Not just everybody in one community might be the people who know. It could be someone from from prison, right? Who maybe this guy it was right. not his first robbery rodeo. It doesn't seem like it was. It was either his first one. It doesn't seem like it was his would be his last one either, right? I mean, and he seems like someone who would be easily caught because he seemed bungling. Yeah, not have it under control. Right? He was. He was bungling. 
Yeah, it's um, it's one of those crimes. I have to say, there's a bunch of cold crimes in Chicago. You have the the, the Percy uh, girl, um, Charles Percy's daughter, that was back way in the fifties, sure. and, and we and there's so many of them. Um, even uh, Lisa Stebic, you know that name yeah. was was a yeah. household name until Stacy Peterson uh, came along. Um, but but I really feel like this is one that's solvable, and really, really, I hope for the sake of uh, everyone and the family members that it gets solved. Um, but but Stacy, yeah. thank you so much for joining us and I'm sure you'll continue to cover this case and uh, hopefully the next time I have you on the show it will be because we've caught the perpetrator that would be fantastic thanks for having me on Karen always good talking to you Stacey take care